Welcome, friend. Follow me. We're going somewhere dark, somewhere dangerous. Most people would never dare enter the place we are going. There's no telling what horrors we'll find, what terrors we'll uncover. Don't say I didn't warn you. We might discover terrible monsters lurking there. Be careful, they could follow you out. Or maybe they're already inside you. Are you afraid? Good. Now you are ready to enter the Warning Woods. I died in 1941, shortly after my daddy went off to war. I was just 15 and already sick when he was drafted. I think Mama knew I wasn't going to make it, and she begged Daddy to find a way out of the draft. I don't know if he tried or not, only that he left, and then I died a few weeks later. Mama took it hard. I watched her fall apart from behind the walls of our house. It was, at one point, a nice house. And then the letter came, saying Daddy was killed by a Nazi bullet. Mama couldn't take that at all. My Aunt Charlotte took Mama in to live with her, which hopefully saved her life. Sadly, I've lost touch with Mama since then. I suppose odds are pretty high she's dead too by now. I think all the heartbreak around Daddy and me dying trapped my soul in this old house, and since Mama never sold it, I doubt she could have borne to. No one else ever moved in. If she's dead... She apparently didn't will the house to anybody. It's still abandoned by all but me. It's a little ways out of town. Trees and bushes that were just saplings when I was breathing are big, wild things now. They've never been pruned, not once. I can't go outside the house to look, but I bet it isn't very visible from the road. I guess the bank owns this place now, and they've just let it rot. You know what, though? I'm glad because being in an old abandoned house is the only way I get to have any fun. How? The teenagers, friend. The teenagers started sneaking in here on dares back in the early 90s, right as the paint was beginning to peel. First, they threw rocks through all the windows. I didn't appreciate that, although I could see the fun in it. I haven't aged a day since I died, so I'm still a 15-year-old in spirit. Ha. The very first pair who actually snuck in here were a couple of guys just older than me who were dared by their giddy girlfriends. As they crept around, these guys were whispering about whether or not the house was haunted, so I slammed a door and sent them running and screaming. Over time, I gave this place a reputation as a bona fide haunted house. Around October each year, kids come here, from other towns even, to experience my knocking and slamming. They all thought they could handle it but I sent every one of them scurrying out of here. Something changed in the early 2000s. The teens started seeming less afraid of me and more curious. I couldn't scare them off as easily, which was fine since I enjoyed having them around, but they also started trying to talk to me. They'd bring in tape recorders and cameras to try to capture the stuff I did. I was always careful not to make anything move on camera, though. I liked how everyone else just had to take the kids I scared at their word. Providing proof of myself would have ruined the mystique. Some of the teenagers brought weird energy into the house. It was like having somebody track mud across your clean floor, except instead of mud, it was anger, depression, jealousy, and all sorts of other ugly emotions. One thing you learn when you're dead is emotions are very tangible things. 
They have a charge like a magnet or a battery. The right charge gives me energy and makes the house sort of hum. Some of the teens call it the house's aura or vibe. But if you bring the wrong charge in here, something too negative, it messes everything up. I feel tired, the house feels older, and sometimes, sometimes I can sense things moving outside. I don't mean outside like out in the yard, I mean outside my spiritual periphery. See, ghosts like me are not the only type of spirit. There's some really dark stuff out there. Those darker spirits, well, they're attracted to negative energy. I sense them lurking, feel them sniffing out the anger and jealousy and sadness in here. Sometimes I wonder if I'm the only thing keeping them out of this space. I am, in spite of everything, a pretty positive guy. There is one object which I will not ever allow in this house again. Whenever I see one, I immediately do something really scary, like make footsteps right behind the teenagers or brush at their hair. I do whatever I can to get them out of here. The object in question is something called a Ouija board. I had never seen one or heard of such a thing until the day I almost watched some poor kid lose his soul and might have also lost my house to an evil spirit. And that, friend, after all of this extensive background, is the story I would like to tell you today. They came in a foursome, Gavin, Lily, Emma, and Roland. Gavin and Lily were the ghost enthusiasts. They came in with all the presuppositions one would expect from a couple of kids who think they know everything about a subject of which nothing is really known to the living. Emma didn't seem nearly as enthused about the visit, even though she was the real empath in the group. That'll come in handy for me later, you'll see. Now Roland, Roland made me uneasy. See, styles and fashion have changed so much since my time that I have difficulty reading people based on their appearance anymore. For example, 30 years ago, if somebody crept in here at night wearing a pair of tattered jeans, I'd have assumed they were a junkie that needed to be chased out before they got too comfortable in my home. Nowadays, everybody's wearing jeans that look ready to fall apart. They are all the rage, as I've heard being hip called at one time or another. All this to say, I have to judge people by stuff that's intangible to the physical world, but potent to me. These things are like someone's mental balance or spiritual harmony. The closest thing I can compare these things to are smells, but you don't get them through your nose. You just kind of pick it up, much like when you drive by a hog farm and, before you realize it, you're aware you're breathing in pig stink. Roland's pig stink comprised of grief, insecurity, and anger. Disdain for the world and everything in it. I'm not a psychic, but I assumed right away that Roland had lost someone very close, and probably recently. Roland had the spiritual posture of someone who has been personally insulted by death. The foursome crept around for a while, and I let them be. I wanted to feel them out. Between Emma's empathic abilities and whatever was going on with Roland, I guess I was sort of nervous about this bunch. Eventually, they went upstairs and ended up in my room, of all places. The very room in which I died back in 41. That's when Lily pulled the Ouija board out of her backpack. I studied it while they all got comfortable, 
but didn't really understand how it worked until Gavin put this little triangle on the board that he called a planchette. Seeing the hole in the middle of the planchette, I understood how the letters on the board were laid out for spelling, the corners designated for yes and no. I found it a little strange that the board had a space for goodbye, but not one for hello. Anyway, I've become a master of suspense over the years, so I let the group play for a few minutes without a response. You know, what finally made me move the thing was that I wasn't sure I could. I wanted to find out. I started by just sliding it a tiny bit, not spelling anything out or answering any questions. Boy, did that get my new friends excited. Are you doing that? Lily asked Emma, then Roland. Both shook their heads. Lily and Gavin shared a look, then, all theatrically, she asked, What is your name, spirit? I could have spelled out something scary like Beelzebub or even Satan, but you have to build up to these sorts of things. Instead, I gave them my real name, B-O-B, Bob. I always went by Robert in life, but Bob spells quicker. Hi, Bob, Gavin said after the group simmered down. We've come here respectfully to try to get your story. We want to know who you were and, if you'll tell us, what the afterlife is like. Well, Gavin, it's pretty fun because I get to mess with people like you, I thought as I slid the planchette straight to no. I was trying to put myself in the mind of a dark spirit, and I imagined such a thing would be pretty standoffish. Oh, okay, Lily said. Is there anything you do want to tell us? Roland said, Can you ask it about... You know. And Gavin said, We'll get there, don't worry. I made them wait a few extra seconds, then slid the planchette around to spell, Not safe. Ooh, spooky, right? Told you I was good at this. I'd never used a Ouija board before, but the same rules applied. Take it slow, keep it vague, and give them lots of time to speculate and doubt themselves. Not safe? Gavin asked, but more to the group than to me. Roland squirmed like he couldn't get comfortable, or like he knew something he wasn't sharing. His pig stink bloomed around him, billowed out of the top of his head like a smokestack. I didn't like it. Guys, can I be honest? Emma asked. I've actually been feeling a little unsafe, like something's off here. Maybe we should listen to what the board's saying. Oh, Emma, no, don't spoil the fun. I guessed she was picking up on her friend Roland's negative energy, but she was attributing it to me. Attempting to come across like someone warning the group of danger rather than threatening the danger myself, I moved the planchette around to spell, Trapped. As the group clamored about what this might mean, I decided to shake Gavin and Lily's confidence. I hovered over them both and plucked one hair from each of their heads. This took an immense amount of energy from me, but it was worth it. Both folded nearly in half on the floor. Then I dropped both hairs onto the Ouija board. Pandemonium ensued. Gavin jumped to his feet, Lily slid back, elbows tripping. The other two stayed put, but sat up stiff as corpses. All four were shouting curses and swears. Do you want to hurt us? Emma asked. And dang it, I would have slid to yes when they all touched the planchette again if anyone else had asked. But I couldn't do that to poor Emma. I liked her. She seemed sweet, and the fact that she had a connection to the spirit realm, well, it reminded me of how it felt to have my crush assigned as my lab partner in high school. It didn't mean anything was going to happen between us, obviously that would be ludicrous given my terminal case of death, 
but it made it feel more possible, I suppose. Like I said, I'm still 15. I slid the planchette to no. Can I ask something? This was Roland. Gavin gestured at him to go ahead after he sat back down. Roland asked, Have you been following me? Before I could answer, I felt myself pushed backward by a soft but unmistakably powerful pressure. The room's weight suddenly doubled. I'd never felt anything like it before. I'll never know what the living teens felt, but they all removed their hands from the planchette and leaned away from the board at that same moment. I stretched forward to move the planchette, realizing only later how that might have been the scariest thing I did that night. They all sat transfixed as I pushed the planchette around to spell, careful. I wasn't trying to scare them, but I did worry a healthy dose of fear might be appropriate. I sensed movement from Roland's direction. He was looking down, staring at his own chest. Emma watched him closely. I believe she sensed what I saw. A shadow copy of Roland stood rising from his body. At full height, protruding from the boy's shoulders and neck, it stood well over six feet tall. It looked directly at me and held my gaze as it metamorphosed. Besides bearing Roland's general shape, it looked nothing like him. It was absolutely inhuman, with cheeks so thin and sunken I could see its jagged teeth outlined beneath its leathery skin. The eyes which held me were sunken far into its skull and as small as BBs, but they glowed brighter than anything else. The thing's smoky claw now commanded the planchette. Remember, Roland had asked the board if he was being followed. I was going to answer no before I was forced away by the new dark spirit. The dark spirit dragged the planchette toward yes, causing an anxious stir amongst the teenagers. It spelled S-A-F-E-N-O-W, safe now. The dark spirit's paper-thin lips parted slightly, and I could see pointed teeth as black as the rest of it. Okay, that's good, Lily said. It says it's been following you, but that you're safe now, so that must mean it's like protecting you. Yeah, that's definitely a good thing, Gavin confidently agreed. No, Gavin, no, Lily, it's not a good thing, I screamed at them, but of course they couldn't hear me. Emma glanced my way, though. The planchette started moving again, guided by the smoky claw of the figure protruding from Roland's back. It spelled Roland's name. Emma gripped his arm as if to anchor him. Then the dark spirit spelled out the cruelest, most obscene lie yet. I-T-S-M-O-M its mom. And again the terrible figure sneered at me. I was now convinced that it was a demon. Emma's grip morphed into a sideways hug as she pulled poor Roland toward herself. He started crying. The other two exchanged nervous whispers too quietly for even me to hear. The planchette began to move again but I summoned every kilowatt of energy I could to reach through the pressure force field and stop it. The demon growled at me, and with a two-long arm swiped me away. I spun backward like an astronaut through space. 
Emma sensed all of this. Still hugging Roland, she was looking just above his head, exactly where the growling demon protruded. Mom, why did... why did you do it? Roland asked, voice choked by heartbreak. Oh, this was bad. How could you just leave us all like that? He asked. Oh, this was really bad. I apologize for delaying what happened next, but you need to understand some things about death. See, there are different kinds of death. Mine was natural, but premature by natural standards. That sort of discrepancy, when combined with my mother's intense grief, created the environment which trapped me here. A death by human hands, be it murder or suicide, tears a hole through the separation between the living and the dead like a bullet punching through paper. That hole takes a long time to heal, if it ever does, and while it's open, just about anything can pass through it. All this to say, the demon which had infested Roland had probably crawled through the hole left by his mother and attached itself to him. I bet it offered comfort at first, but judging by Roland's demeanor even before the Ouija session, it had already started getting mean. Classic demon trickery. If it can convince Roland to welcome it by pretending to be his mother's ghost, there's no telling how far it could take the possession. It might even kill Roland to harvest his soul. So when we left off, Roland, believing he was talking to his mother, had just asked how she could leave him. The demon began to answer, but I focused on getting the teens to safety. If I couldn't save Roland, I wanted to at least rescue the others. I'll admit, in the back of my mind, I was wondering what would happen if that demon fully manifested in my home. It had already demonstrated immense power over me, and that frightened me for my own safety too. In the corporeal world, demons enter people. They dwell inside them and control them. Demons don't have that sort of use for us. Instead of possessing, they envelop and dominate us. They show us how little power and control we really have. I circumvented the group until I was behind Emma. That also put me right next to the demon, but it was occupied with the planchette. Or maybe it didn't see me as a threat. Emma was the key. Her empathic ability was the only tool I had left, but I wasn't sure how to use it. She had shown she could hear me, but could she understand? I didn't think so. I wondered if she might sense my touch. Keeping an eye on the demon, I took hold of Emma's free wrist the one that wasn't on Roland's shoulder. She immediately flinched away. I understood why, but that didn't make it any less frustrating. I tried again, this time only touching the back of her hand, and I projected my desire to save her and her friends. I even whispered to her, I'm here to protect you. At least one of these tactics worked, and Emma allowed my hand to stay. I slid my thumb behind hers so I could gently guide her hand to the Ouija board. No, Emma, leave it alone, Gavin said. God, that idiot, purporting to be so keen on the spirit world yet being so dully insensitive to it, I could have punched him. I gave Emma a reassuring squeeze, which she empathically understood. I guided Emma's hand toward the word goodbye at the bottom of the board and gave her another squeeze, then let go. I felt confident she would know what to do. Guys, I think we need to end this, she said her hand still hovering over goodbye. No, Roland shouted. 
A deep anger boiled beneath his voice. It's not his mother, I whispered to Emma, and thank the Lord she could understand me now. Enough to matter, at least. Emma now pled with Gavin and Lily. We need to end this session right now, guys. Something's really wrong. I can feel it. I need to talk to her, Roland argued. Emma turned to him. Roland, I don't think it's your mom talking. I think it's something bad. Yeah, she might be right, Lily said. Before it said it was your mom, it was telling us we weren't safe and all that, remember? Words can't describe how grateful I was to hear my silly prank may have saved the day. Oh yeah, spirits do lie to get what they want sometimes, Gavin said. I can feel her though, Roland whispered, but he sounded unsure. Emma's hand went to the planchette. Against the demon's shadowy claw, I noticed her hand was outlined by a faint white aura. Whatever energy gave Emma her empathic ability was something wholesome and beautiful. It forced the demon to retract angrily, almost like it had been burned. Gavin touched the planchette next, then Lily. They all looked at Roland, but he didn't move. Emma took his hand in her free one and pulled it toward the planchette. He still clearly did not want to end the session, but he allowed this to happen. When all four of them were touching the planchette, Emma slid it to goodbye. And as if it had never been there, the demon vanished. I whispered thanks to Emma, but closing the session had dulled her connection to me. I'll admit, this made me a little sad, despite the victory we had just won. The teenagers left shortly, and I haven't seen them since. That must have been, oh, ten years ago now. It's hard to keep track. Roland didn't seem any lighter when he left that night. Unfortunately, I have to assume he still had the attachment. But, with a friend like Emma by his side, I hope he's able to rid himself of it. I can't imagine she would have let him go on like that. The white light I saw around her hand makes it easy to believe she saved him. And like I already mentioned, Ouija boards aren't allowed in my house anymore. These days, kids are using all kinds of electronic equipment, though, and the Ouija boards seem to be getting less popular. That's good. You just can never know what's really talking to you with one of those things. It could be a swell guy like me, or it could be something much, much darker. It's best just to keep those channels closed. You can't ever really know who or what is speaking to you from the other side. You made it out. Congratulations. If you enjoyed the story, please rate and review this podcast wherever you like to listen. Reviews are the best way to support the podcast and help it grow. The next best way is to buy merch from thewarningwoods.myshopify.com. The link is also in the description below. If you want more creepy content, including the images that accompany each story, follow me on Instagram at thewarningwoods. If you feel ready, meet me here next week for another journey into the Warning Woods. Thank you for listening.